Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Monday, March 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkland. Kansas picked up its best victory of the season on Saturday, defeating second-ranked Baylor 71-58 and handing the Bears their first loss of the season. KU played great, especially senior guard Marcus Garrett on senior night and big man David McCormick. And Baylor certainly continued to feel the impact of having not played for three weeks in February while dealing with COVID-19 issues. What does the victory mean for Kansas going forward? On today's show, we get the answers from beat writers Jesse Newell and Gary Bedour. We talk about what remains on the KU schedule, speculate on Big 12 and NCAA tournament seating, and much more. So let's get started talking with Gary and Jesse. Jesse Newell and Gary Bedour here. We're going to talk Kansas basketball. The Jayhawks coming off the 71-58 victory over second-ranked Baylor, handed the Bears their first loss of the season. Gary, you were in Allen Fieldhouse. I'm just wondering, what uh, did it feel any different than than other home games for, for KU this year? Because um, just watching it on TV, it, it seemed like there was great energy in the building, even though there were only a couple thousand fans there. Yeah, I think the students for a couple games now since they came back to town on February 1st have done a pretty good job. They're in both end zones, and uh, they're all sitting together. They must There must be a rule about groups can sit together or something, but they make a lot of noise, and they were fired up for Garrett because with all the senior night stuff before the game, they were – back to their old energy levels, cheering and stuff. And then in the game, uh, you could tell that the team was playing really hard and wanted to gain revenge on Baylor or maybe, maybe give them their first loss of the year. So the crowd was into it. It was, it was definitely the loudest of the year. I was also struck by the uh, Kansas broke out the reds, uh, the uniforms. And so you had the, you had the Christmas special there, the red versus the green on uh, you know yeah. on TV. I thought, I thought it looked good, um, J- Jesse. There were so many you know so many keys to this game, but maybe the first thing to talk about in terms of just how to break it down is uh, the, the play of Marcus Garrett, who Gary said uh, you know was recognized on uh, on Senior Night there, and his uh, just the I, I'm probably going to refer to energy several times in our conversation, but he seemed to just play with a, you know, extra zip and in uh, his defense on, on Jared, for, you know, at least first ball defense on, on Jared Butler was, I thought, outstanding. Yeah, it was. He was, as Bill Self, his term is turned up. Uh, Marcus was ready to play that game, was doing it in front of some family. So it was, it's just interesting because, for most of the season, it seems like Bill Self has kind of tried to figure out ways to keep Marcus fresh. There's that weird illness he had early in the season. Uh, there was a time where Bill Self talked about how there were times where Marcus would struggle to catch his breath and would have to come out of the game. So this is just not – it's not its not his fault, but he's not Devon Dotson who could play 40 minutes. He's not Devontae Graham who played 40 minutes for like nine straight games for Kansas during his senior year and never come off the court. And Bill Self will play those guys – all 40 minutes if, if, you know, their bodies allow it, but this is just a little bit different. You know, they've been trying to, to get a fresh version of Marcus 
for most of the season. And it, it, it's been a struggle. And then, you know, against Baylor, as you said, he was just lighting up Jared Butler. I noticed there were a few instances too, where KU usually switches everything. They kind of, you know, communicate the guard to guard screens, but there were a couple of times where Jared Butler kind of brushed off of a, a guard to guard screen. And Marcus said, no, I'm not really leaving you. So uh, <laughs> it was kind of a mono mono thing on this one. And Marcus took it pretty personally and Jared did not get much going. You know, he had averaged 23 points in five games previously against Kansas. He had just lit KU up and uh, it was not to be on that Saturday game when Jared Butler only has five. So Baylor as a whole looked different as a team, not quite as, uh, you know, we'll use the word energized. They, they didn't look like themselves, obviously, after this COVID pause. But, you know, Marcus Garrett, if he can bring that sort of enthusiasm, effort, and not only on the defensive end, on the offensive end as well, then it kind of changes the complexion of this Kansas team. Yeah, I like that you pointed out the play at the end of the first half where he uh, went went hard to the basket and went up with the left hand. Uh, the, just the type of blow-by layup that we saw from him last year, but we haven't seen much of this year. Um, I, th- that, to me, it, it's, his defense is always going to be there, but you know the offense hasn't been there for him, and getting to the basket hasn't been there for him, and, um, and, and that was an encouraging sign to see that ability. Yeah, and Bill Self, for so long, I mean, you think about back to all the great point guards they've had. He loves just late shot clock, setting a high ball screen and letting Frank Mason or Tyshawn Taylor or Devon Dotson or Sharon Collins, just letting them go to work. And uh, part of the reason for KU's offensive struggles this year is they don't have that guy. You know, they can't just put it in somebody's hands and say, hey, go get a bucket. You know, they've tried that at, at times late game. And I remember like the Oklahoma State game in particular, it wasn't holy Marcus Garrett's fault because uh, some of the spacing issues that were there and K misran a play, but you know, he got blocked at the rim and Oklahoma State comes back and makes a three and they end up winning the game. So there have been those instances this year where it's just easy things in the past have not been quite as easy. And that's a lot of that's been because Marcus Garrett's not this kind of penetrator that a lot of the other guys were. I mean, that's not his fault. It's just kind of a reality, but yeah, we all saw more of that against Baylor. And so if there's more of that in the tank when it comes to the NCAA tournament, uh, then KU might be a little bit better than we all think. Gary, how about, uh, how about the game of David McCormick and, and just how he's just changed um, over the last, I don't know, however many weeks it's been. They're just getting so much more production out of David McCormick. Yeah, he came out and was great right off the bat. And uh, 20 points three rebounds or so. He's not rebounding, but he's given them the offense they need. And uh, now you got to wonder if he'll be first or second team all league, maybe because he's playing really well. And he really had a good game and played hard. He, he's one of the reasons they were able to have so much energy that game. He obviously wanted it for Garrett and, uh, the other reasons they'd never been swept uh, in back. They never lost back to back seasons to a team in the bill self era at Allen. So Baylor would have won two years in a row there and they were favored to do so. So McCormack and the team had a lot to protect and they, you know, they, after going 16 and 0 against Baylor throughout history, they would have lost two in a row to him in Allen they were 16 and 0 in, in Allen against Baylor until last year. So <clears throat> McCormack is just, he's starting to play really well. And if he sticks around, which he should, but you never know in this day and age, 
you would think he would he would have a really really good senior year. Yeah, kind of fulfilling the prophecy that Bill Self had for him in the preseason. Remember how he was? Yeah. Uh, one one of you guys probably asked Bill who you thought leading who he thought his leading score was going to be. I think that's a question Bill likes getting in the preseason. He always likes to you know project who his uh, leading score, and it was he said David McCormick and. It was not that way for, for quite a while. I haven't seen the stats. I couldn't tell you. Maybe it's Jalen Wilson. I couldn't tell you who – oh, it's Abaji, I'm sure, right, uh, their scoring leader. But McCormick has just been playing really well on the offensive end for a while. And, and Jesse, uh, Gary mentioned it, that uh, KU was an, under, was an underdog at home. I think you've researched this for the first time since maybe the, the, the Roy Williams' first season. Yeah, crazy. You know, you think about Bill Self now is in his 18th season and Roy Williams spent 15 at Kansas and KU, at least according to team rankings, they kind of tried to go back and do some research. It's not all in their database, but they were kind of, they do rankings, like basically team strength rankings. And we're trying to go back and figure out the last time that KU would have been an underdog at home. And it would have, what they figured uh, was that it was probably placing number one Oklahoma in 1989. And so that thing kind of made its way around the internet. I mean, people are sort of, some of these things coming to an end this year are, are sort of mind boggling. You know, you talk about the 231 straight weeks in the AP poll before KU was out for one week. I mean, that's crazy. It, it was a streak that spanned further than iPads. You know, it, it was started before iPads existed. <laughs> we can't really imagine our lives now without a technology like that. And then, yeah, uh, you know, the 38-year senior night streak continued for Kansas. So um, that's a feather in their cap. But uh, this one, I mean, to think in 32 years, you were not an underdog at home one time. Um, that's really hard to do. I mean, you, you people... You know, Allen Fieldhouse gives them a nice advantage, but it's not like it gives them a 20-point advantage. It gives them about a three- or a four-point advantage, but like most teams out there. So for Kansas to go three decades without playing a game at Allen Fieldhouse where Vegas oddsmakers said that KU was less than a 50% chance to win, that says quite a bit about Roy Williams. It says quite a bit about Bill Self. It says quite a bit about the players and obviously the program not ever taking those dips like many of those other Blue Bloods have. Yeah, look, in, in a... Big Eight and Big Twelve. That's included some some great teams, great players. You know, other Final Four teams and uh, All America type players. And for you know, for the you know the the, the odds making is you know, it's it's for for our purposes, uh, Jesse. I know that you dabble in the uh, you know in 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 the uh, the the trade, but uh, uh, but for me, it's perception, right? It's it's about perception, just like just like polls, um, betting lines, you know, if, if Kansas is an underdog, that means that the general thought is that uh, Baylor is the better team. And, um, and for, for, I don't know, I think Kansas, that, that piece of information probably filtered into the Kansas locker room at some point uh, uh, this week as well. And, I, you know, even after the Texas game, when they, they lost the heartbreaker on Tuesday in overtime at Texas, you know, I was listening to the post-game show, and it's almost as if the the upcoming Baylor game was every bit as important, or even you know, foremost in the Kansas thoughts as the game that they had just played. Uh, they were, they, you know, I kept hearing you know, people talking to players were, who were interviewed and coaches interviewed after the game were talking about the Baylor game. So Kansas poured a lot into this, and I tell you what, we we can't. We, we can't talk about the game without mentioning 
Jesse, you referred to it earlier, but Baylor playing its second game since a 21-day layoff because of COVID. And I've heard coaches in college basketball say there's a fatigue. You know, it takes teams who have had the layoff um, a few games to just get the fatigue factor out. And, uh, and I think Kansas was able to take advantage of a Baylor team that was not in, you know, not in great game shape. And they, we, we saw it earlier in the week when they when the Bears – just got past an Iowa State team. I think it was on that same Tuesday night that Kansas played that um, uh, Baylor had you know, struggled to get by an Iowa State team that has two wins on the season. So it was a good time for Kansas to, to, to play Baylor. And I'm not saying Kansas wouldn't have won the game if Baylor had not had the three-week layoff, but Baylor had the three-week layoff. Yeah, Jordan Sperber is a college basketball analyst. He kind of studied this. The teams that have come back from two and three week layoffs have not done well when they've come back, uh, and that's it makes sense. You know, they've they've really not done as well as you would expect based off of the polls and everything. I, you know, it seemed like the first game against Iowa State that Iowa State shot pretty well, and so maybe that you know maybe at NASA a little bit that Baylor played okay, but yeah. I, Gary can maybe speak more to it, but there was just a lack of energy. And the thing you know you're going to get from Baylor always is offensive rebounding and and guys just hustling and and you know scrapping. And <laughs> this is a bad thing to say, but uh, Baylor made Kansas look athletic, and Kansas has not looked athletic against many teams this year. I mean, Bill Self has griped about you know rightfully so. This team is not the most athletic he's ever had. They don't have the guy that's playing above the rim like a Josh Jackson or an Andrew Wiggins, those sorts of things. KU looked athletic on Saturday, and I think that has to be uh, attributed to. I guess Jeff Goodman was saying on uh, one of his podcasts that it was his reporting was that there were eight guys that had COVID in that three week span, eight players for Baylor. Wow, so wow. Uh, that would be a lot to make up, and obviously you lose your, lose your conditioning and. Uh, the practice time as well. And so Scott Drew mentioned that in the, the post game, you know, didn't use as a crutch as an excuse, but it's a reality. And I can definitely see where KU kind of looked like a team that was in week 15 in the NFL season. And Baylor looked like a team that was just uh, right off the preseason starting week one. So three point shooting too, Gary, I saw uh, Baylor came into the game at like 40% yeah. or something as a team. And, and uh, that was off on, on Saturday. Yeah. I'd be shocked if Butler wasn't one of the guys <clears throat> that had COVID because even though Garrett was all over him, I I didn't even notice Butler, you know, until he finally hit a layup for his first bucket with 10 minutes left. Um, wow. I mean, maybe it was just Garrett with the greatest individual defensive performance in KU history, but <laughs> Butler – I mean, I have no idea, but I, I heard that about them maybe having eight guys also. And and it would be amazingly tough to be ready to play after being off two or three weeks. If you look at KU, when they went home over Christmas, they were eight and one, I believe, and they were ranked in the top five. And Texas came in and just murdered them. Uh, which turned out to be KU's only loss in the fieldhouse this year, unless they lose to UTEP. But um, yeah, that that Butler um, again. Although uh, in the post game, I watched that too. Scott Drew did credit Garrett uh, and and blame Scott Drew blamed himself too, saying he needs to do some things too that might have freed him a little bit. So. 
Marcus Garrett, I guess, had a senior night you will he will never, ever, ever forget because beating number two and shutting down Butler, whether he was in shape, out of shape, or whatever. But you do have to feel sorry for Baylor. I know KU fans don't want to hear any excuses, but like Jesse said, Drew wasn't, you know, he answers the questions just like Bill Self does. And finally the questions got out if uh, they had fatigue and he's not going to lie. Yeah, they had fatigue. You know, they've only had two games since being out 20 days. And he, like Drew said, they couldn't practice, you know, a lot of the guys, a ton of the guys, if they had up to eight out, according to Goodman or whoever reported that. So uh, I do feel for Baylor, but uh, as you know, sometimes it's not so bad to get a loss. Now you want to go undefeated and set the records and be the first team since Indiana, but a loss a lot of times before the NCAA tournament isn't a bad thing. Wakes you up a little bit. Um, I'm going to um, I'm going to submit that the uh, greatest defensive performance I've seen by an individual in the Fieldhouse was. I want to say it was 1995 when Greg Ostertag held Bryant Reeves to zero, zero yeah. points. Now, Randy Rutherford scored 45, but, <laughs> <laughs> but big country, only uh, uh, goose egg that day. And, of course, he went on to lead Oklahoma State to the Final Four that year. And, look, we'll, we'll, uh, it doesn't get any easier for Baylor. At West Virginia, well, I think on Tuesday, the first of three games this week, so Baylor can get up to – uh, 14 games to finish out the regular season. And, um, and uh, so it's going to be a tough week for Baylor. Okay, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll have more from Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash sportsbeatkc offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're back with Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell, who cover KU for um, Kansas City Star and the Wichita Eagle. So let's let's big picture this and, uh, and what this means for Kansas in terms of how we look at them going into the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. And quite frankly, I'd you know, the Big 12 tournament, I don't even know if they should be playing it, but but it's going to be played. It's going to be competitive. A lot of, a lot of NCAA tournament-bound teams are going to be in Kansas City the following week. Of course, before that, Gary, there's, there's a regular season game to play. Yeah, and Thursday night, 7 p.m., KU plays UTEP. And uh, UTEP seems like it's another one of those – decent teams that they play non-con they've won four in a row in conference USA. They play back to back. So uh, they beat a cup Charlotte back to back last weekend, but they have the nephew of 
Chiefs offensive coordinator, Bienemy, who played for OU and one game against KU, he had eight assists. And uh, Bienemy's OU team beat KU in that game. So uh, obviously, KU should win, but it's another team that they also have a guy who shot. <laughs> 20 or 25 free throws last game and made almost all of them. Uh, he's a guard and he's good. So once again, they can't sleepwalk as they showed against North Dakota state, but uh, they play UTEP on Thursday. UTEP's 12 and 10, by the way. And then uh, the big 12 tournament. It's, it's kind of folly right now, Jesse, isn't it, to project where Kansas would be in a seeding? Uh, because there's just so many Big 12 games remaining this week. There's going to be a ton of Big 12 games as the league has to make up as many of the, the COVID loss games as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think Bill Self, I mean, this is like his best hobby here is trying to figure out where his team seeding is. It just, it like takes over his mind this time of year, but you know, three is probably a, a good guess. Uh, it, it's going to be really tough for, well, Baylor won't lose that many games. You wouldn't think to, to, to catch up, but uh, probably the two C between West Virginia and Kansas is what's most likely. And so we'll see how West Virginia does this week. But uh, you mentioned it, Blair. It's, it's sort of like um, this could be a really fun big 12 tournament because if Baylor's just a tick off, I think you really have six Big 12 teams that are, to me, are like all the same. You know, like Texas and Texas Tech and Oklahoma and Kansas and Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Like they are all just like the same quality level of team where all those teams, if they face each other, would probably be within about two or three points. So it really sets up potentially, you know, that you get the quarterfinal round and you get, again, TCU against like Baylor. That's probably not going to be a good game if Baylor's full strength. But every other game there, it could be like a Texas, Texas Tech, a West Virginia, Oklahoma State, a Kansas, Oklahoma, and that would be the quarterfinal round. And then those teams that would win would all face each other in the semis, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, whatever, a Baylor, Oklahoma, and a Kansas, West Virginia or something. Um, it could be – I mean, this could – really be one of the most competitive tournaments, just game to game, close games, overtimes, that sort of thing. So it really is too bad that this isn't kind of a normal year where fans would all be allowed in, you know, the full capacity because uh, this might be more entertaining than any other year. It's just one of those things, you know, it's going to be limited capacity and maybe people aren't paying as much attention as they would in previous years, but I'm actually really looking forward to it because like I said, that quarterfinal round could be four great games and and maybe just three if Baylor gets back to itself. But if, if Baylor's not back to itself, then all of a sudden you're looking and you're saying that's, that's a lot of good games. Yeah. 20% uh, capacity at T-Mobile center next week for, which is about four, I think 4,000 fans or so uh, will be allowed in and schools have to take care of their uh, family and, and the players, families and um, uh, staff and all that. So they just, just, there will not be many fans, uh, uh, in in this in the building in Kansas City for the Big Twelve tournament. So how about how about the NCAA tournament? Certainly Kansas is uh, building credentials, and I don't think the selection committee, when they consider Kansas, is going to take in you know into account that Baylor was coming off the you know the, the COVID spread. I, I think Kansas is at least what I'm seeing in the uh, in the mock bracketing moving up the charts um no, no worse than a five probably a four and could be as high as a three when it's all said and done 
Yeah, you know, I we talked about the article I wrote Blair a couple weeks ago about the wins above bubble, kind of using the resume measures right. that sometimes kind of pretty closely follow what the insulate does. They kind of try to have the baby a little bit more, uh, you know, using the quote best measures and the most deserving ones. But if you're looking most deserving, you know, KU's kind of done what KU does. They have racked up a bunch of quality victories and they're 11th and wins above bubble right now. So that would put them as a three seed. So yeah, potentially with what happens against UTEP and the big 12 tournament, uh, if you have a strong finish, uh, you know, if KU won out, I think they're a three seed, uh, but right now, probably a four, uh, you said maybe, maybe the five line at this moment, but uh, KU, this has sort of happened in recent years where, you know, Bill Self always credited his schedule maker, Larry Keating, but it's true. They were sort of taking advantage of the system that was in place and they would get these very good, high quality wins and boost up their resume. And that sort of happened this year. KU's played a lot of tough opponents, but they don't have any quote bad losses and they have racked up a lot of good wins because they played a lot of good teams. So that's going to help them when it comes to the bracket selection process. And they're probably to be completely honest with you, if you're looking at the, the predictive numbers that I do, um, you know, KU's somewhere around 15th to 20th and most of those. So they're likely to be like they are most seasons, probably going to be overseeded by about one seat based <laughs> off of resume. And, and that's kind of the MO that KU has. <laughs> Okay. Hey, uh, before we get out of here, uh, let's mention that, uh, Gary, there was a piece of news that we learned on Saturday that uh, LaVena Squires had passed away, a former Kansas basketball player, didn't score many points uh, for the Jayhawks, but was significant in, in an other very important way. Tell us about LaVena Squires. He was the first black player at KU brought in by Fog Allen uh, I believe he and the man at K-State came in at the same time. So they both were the first in the big seven. Uh, but as Bill Self said, without Squires paving the way, Chamberlain probably would never have come to KU. Uh, but in the business world, LaVena Squires was a great success. He lived in California and didn't come back to KU much, if at all, during the reunions. Probably just a quiet guy, but uh, from everybody's accounts throughout history, he was a great man and uh, went to Wichita East, I believe, and played for Ralph Miller and yeah. was all state at Wichita East. So, uh, Ralph Miller, the former. him a lot at the game. Uh, the past game. So the, the crowd was very respectful and they had a couple of videos and stuff. Yeah. You mentioned Ralph Miller, former Kansas all America and uh, coach ended up winning, you know, I think over close to 700 games as a division one head coach. Uh, and the Can Kansas state player that you, you mentioned, Gene Wilson was his name, broke the, the color barrier at K state yeah. when it came to, when it came to basketball. So, um, you know, didn't play in many games, uh, certainly didn't score many points, but, uh, but was a very significant figure in Kansas basketball history. And uh, Gary, just remind us, there, there, there just aren't many, just not many players left from the, the, the 52 national championship team, are there? No, I don't believe so. Um, a lot of the, those guys uh, lived in Lawrence in their later years, but have passed away. Um, Bill Linhard is is here in town, and uh, I believe Bill is the only 
person on the team living at this time, uh, I'd have to, to make sure, but, uh, you know, they're all from a great generation and they're all really would be in their eighties and nineties. So, uh, 52 is a long time ago. Yeah, it is. Someday you and I will have to talk about that 52 season, that 52 team and how, um, yeah. how Fog Allen, um, when it went about re recruiting for, for that team and use the, not just the, the prospect of winning the NCAA championship, but also the Olympic gold medal for in 1952 as a, you know, as, as a recruiting enticement for, uh, for, for those guys. So, um, Jesse, Gary, always great catching up. Thank you guys. And, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks. Thanks. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welch, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore for stopping by and talking KU basketball. Links to their stories about the Baylor game and other KU sports stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass. That's the Kansas City Star Sports section online for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a time to subscribe. The Royals are at spring training. March Madness is right around the corner. And, of course, it's never not Chiefs season. So how do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That is kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account kansascity.com slash subscribe and if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers just send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com and I will get you to the right place so whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC thanks for listening and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode